0: So hear now the word of the Lord. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? The lawyer answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer, do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you have spent. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The lawyer answered, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The word of the Lord thanks yes thanks be to God indeed let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer Lord Jesus we do thank you for your word and we thank you that we know that wherever your word is spoken wherever your word is meditated upon wherever it is sung Lord Jesus we know that you send your Holy Spirit so Lord Jesus send your spirit now We are open to you, we are open to whatever your Holy Spirit has to say to each and every one of us. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And Lord Jesus, may they not be a distraction from your word that you have this morning for each and every person that is here. Fill us, mold us, shape us, more and more into your person. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning's passage about the Good Samaritan I think is a super good story for all of us, all of us who call ourselves Christians to look at. Especially as we find ourselves as an entire society facing a huge crisis of just how to be a Good Samaritan to the homeless who we see all around us. Now, I understand after having Googled Marysville and just wanting to get to know you folks a little bit better, I noticed on Google the first thing that came um, to my attention was that you guys have gotten some national recognition for coming up with some pretty creative solutions to the homeless crisis. I mean, you guys have gotten the attention of people across the country for implementing solutions that actually work. Pairing law enforcement with social workers is how I understand what it is that the uh, City of Marysville has done, offering resources, uh, offering drug rehab programs to those in need, and offering step-by-step plans to move people off of the street and into more stable living situations. Your city has taken action that actually, it looks to me like, is making a difference to those who are struggling with homelessness, as well as, at the same time, reducing property crime and theft in your good city. It is very impressive. My hat's off to you, off to Marysville. But still, I'm sure that even though you've got some good, measurable results in in your creative solutions, I imagine that the problem of homelessness hasn't totally gone away, and that still, as individuals and as a church community, you probably are grappling with what all Christians grapple with. What does it mean to show the love of Jesus Christ? What does it really mean to be a good neighbor to the homeless? What does it mean to be the hands and feet of Christ to those in need? Well, gratefully, Jesus provides some direction, Jesus provides some insights as he tells this well-known story of the Good Samaritan, a story that allows us to see with fresh eyes what it means to be a good neighbor, what it means to love our neighbors. The story, as you heard, and as you probably well know, begins with a man, it begins with a lawyer who asks Jesus a question. He says, what must I do, Jesus, to inherit eternal life? His interest begins with a pretty self-centered focus, thinking about himself, thinking about his life, thinking about his need for his security, for eternal security, which is totally fine. It's a fine place to begin. And Jesus doesn't blow him off, but instead he engages with him right away, meeting him where he's at by asking a question that he hopes will move the lawyer from this narrow, self-centered focus to the bigger picture that Jesus wants him to see. So Jesus asks him, hey dude, what's written in the law? And this lawyer, who is actually an expert in Mosaic law, a card-carrying elite Pharisee, instantly, without hesitation, answers from the two, and gives Jesus the answer from the two greatest commandments given to Moses. He says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, that's a lot, and your neighbor as yourself and Jesus commends him. He says you've given the right answer. Right on. But the lawyer doesn't stop there. He's got a follow-up question that he asks to justify himself, meaning he wants Jesus to know that not only does he have the right answer, but that he has totally fulfilled the commands in the way that he has lived his life. So he asks to Jesus, with a little bit of arrogance, mind you, and who is my neighbor? See, for sure, he is thinking that his neighbors are other law-abiding Jewish folks just like himself. People in his social group, people who look like him, with similar backgrounds, with similar beliefs and outlooks on life. He wants another high five from Jesus that he's got the right answers to life's big questions and that he has lived a life that is totally worthy of going to heaven, that he's got a total thumbs up from God. But instead, Jesus tells a story that's destined to make him feel pretty, pretty uncomfortable a story about a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, to Jira- um, J- Jira- <laughs> my head just went spinny, Whew, Jerusalem to Jericho, ah, there, sorry about that, <clears throat> a trip of about 18 miles, and it's all downhill, about 3,300 foot descent down to Jericho from Jerusalem on a road that was known as the Road of Blood. And on this notoriously dangerous road, a man is beaten. A man is robbed and he's stripped of his clothes and he's left there on the side of the road for dead. And as he lays there, Jesus tells of three different people who come along and see him. The first is a priest a priest who sees the injured man, and immediately, what does this priest do? He changes lanes. He moves to the other side of the road, and he rides his donkey right on by. Now, to be fair, he might have just been thinking about saving his job. See, as a priest, he would have been ritually clean, and in order to work, in order to keep a roof over his head and and food on the family table, he had to stay clean. So we might have looked at that guy lying unconscious and naked on the side of the road and he's thinking, I can't tell if the guy is dead or alive because the, guy, and because the guy didn't have clothes on. He couldn't tell if he was a Jew or a Gentile. You see, Jews and Gentiles dress differently. So even if the guy was unconscious, the priest seeing what kind of clothes this man had on would have told him, it's a Jew or it's a a Gentile. If he would have been able to speak, the, the priest could have told by his language and by his accents if he was a Jew or a Gentile. But none of that information was available to the priest sitting up on his donkey. All he knew for sure was that if he touched a dead body, he would immediately be unclean. If he touched a Samaritan, ditto, unclean. And he just couldn't afford the risk of becoming unclean and having to take an entire week off of work to do all of the rituals that would have been necessary to become ritualistically clean again. So he makes a quick conclusion. Probably this guy isn't my neighbor. And just as quickly, he makes that lane change, and down the road he goes. Well, Jesus says that the second person who comes along is a Levite a guy who was just one notch down on the religious elite hierarchy from the priest. He would have worked in the temple, perhaps as director of music or director of worship or assistant to the priest. He's a really religious man. But like the priest, he concludes that this guy lying on the side of the road is no neighbor of his. So what does he do? He moves over to the other side of the road and he just zips on by. Well, Jesus tells about the third person, the third person to arrive at the scene, and it's a Samaritan. And shockingly, he is the one who gets it right. Now, I think that in our 21st century USA context, we do not see, we just don't get it, how radical this was to Jesus' Jewish first-century audience who first heard Jesus tell this story. But it was. It was shocking. It was disappointing. And it was even offensive for them to have heard Jesus tell this story. Everyone listening to Jesus was expecting that the hero of the story was going to be a good Israelite, like the lawyer, not a Samaritan. The Samaritans t- were to the Jewish people then, what the Palestinians are to the Jewish people today, arch enemies. They probably, everybody listening to Jesus telling that story that day, they probably all just looked at each other like, with you know, their eyebrows up to their, up to their foreheads, and they were just saying, what? You gotta be kidding. No way. This is the hero? Well, yes, in fact, it is. It is the totally despised Samaritan who stops on the road, not knowing if the robbers are still around, maybe hiding behind a bush, ready to jump out and attack him. He doesn't know that. He doesn't know that if, he is, if he's helping a fellow Samaritan or if he's helping a Jew. And guess what? <laughs> in the Samaritan world, a Jew was considered unclean for a Samaritan to touch a Jew would mean that they became unclean but here it is a Samaritan who sees this naked unconscious man lying just lying for dead on the side of the road and what happened to him he was moved with pity what does that mean His heart was moved with compassion. And what does he do? He takes action. He takes absolute, immediate action. Listen to all of the verbs in the story, the verbs, the action words. He went to the man. He pours wine and oil on the man's wounds. He bandaged him. He picks him up and he puts him on his own animal, and then he takes him to an inn, and then he cares for him, and he stays the whole night with the man. In the morning, he gives the innkeeper money, and what does he do? He asks him, please take care of this man, and when I come back through town, I'll repay you whatever you have spent on him. Verb after verb after verb describing what? Describing the compassionate action on behalf of this stranger who for him was his neighbor. Having finished the story, Jesus looks up at the lawyer and he asks, which of these three men do you think was a neighbor? And the lawyer answered, the one who showed mercy. Jesus said right on, go and do likewise. Wow. So simple. Not just for the lawyer, not just for those first listeners, but for each and every one of us, myself included. Go and do likewise. Jesus wants us to be the good Samaritan kind of people. Jesus wants us to be the kind of person who feels, feels compassion, who breaks down barriers, who loves even though it can be risky, who loves even though it's sometimes costly. Love, sometimes, love is sometimes costly, isn't it? Sometimes it costs us money, time, effort, emotions, caring, and even our reputation. The Samaritan definitely would have gotten flack from his people for helping a Jew. Jesus wants us to be the kind of person who loves someone who doesn't earn our love, who doesn't earn our respect or our friendship. They simply are in need, and so we simply give. Jesus does want us to generously love. Jesus wants us to see everyone as our neighbor. Jesus wants us to really get it, that no matter the language, no matter the clothes, no matter the religion, no matter what identity badges that we want to slap on people, whatever ways that we want to put everyone into a category, That is not the way that Jesus works. That is not the way that Jesus defines neighbor. Here's the deal. (laughs) Anyone on the face of the earth is created in the image of God and is our neighbor. Jesus is introducing here a totally radical, a totally barrier-breaking, generous love for our neighbors that he wants us all to embrace. Absolutely true. But I do want to offer just a little bit of caution. As we hear this story, we can easily think that this story is asking us to solve all of the world's problems, to help without any limits at all. But friends, there's a danger in that because when we think that God expects us to be the Messiah, (laughs) when we think that God expects us to do it all and to have absolutely no boundaries as we are helping our neighbors, if that is what we believe, then what is it Can you guess what is it that we will do? We'll cross the street, and we'll pass on by the needy person because we're going to feel totally, totally overwhelmed. But there's something that I had never noticed in this story before, and I'd like to share it with you. I think there's something in the story that reassures us, that shows us that God is not expecting us to do it all. God is not expecting us to have absolutely no boundaries. Notice, notice the good Samaritan. He doesn't take the injured man home with him. Instead, he puts him up in a hotel until he is healed. He doesn't empty his bank account and give every single last cent for this man's care. He gives him enough to get him back up on his feet. The Good Samaritan doesn't stay with him indefinitely only one night until the initial crisis has passed. And then he leaves and he gets on with his life, leaving the man in the temporary care of someone else. See, what is happening here that I'd never noticed before is that the Good Samaritan did not take on the whole load of the injured man's life onto himself he helped him with a burden that was too much to handle alone at that point of time he helped for a short time and then he left him to manage his life i do not now be sure that you hear this i do not bring this up to get us off of the hook That's not my intention, but to remind us that Jesus is not asking us to break our lives, to break our health, to break our finances, to break our homes. I have known too many pastors who have neglected their homes and their families, right? In their ministry. That is not what God asks any of us to do. God is not asking us to break our homes or our marriages in the process of helping others. Remember in the commandment, we are to love others as what? As ourselves. We have to love ourselves in the midst of loving others. We have to set appropriate boundaries so that we have the energy and the resources to give. It's the advice they give on airplanes, remember? If the the oxygen mask falls down in front of you, what are you supposed to do? Put it on your face first, because if you don't, then you're going to be unconscious and unable to help anyone else. No one gets helped if we are broken, exhausted, and completely wrecked with compassion fatigue, which is a real thing. That is not God's intention for any of us. And the story is not about that. Instead, it is a story that is inviting us to boldly, boldly follow our hearts that are full of Christ's beautiful and gorgeous compassion to those neighbors who Christ does and will bring, to our, bring our way and then filled with God's powerful spirit, as Becca remind us, the spirit of God who who raised Jesus up out of the dead grave. That is the same Holy Spirit, friends, that resides in us. Filled with God's resurrection power spirit, we can confidently then take compassionate action on behalf of both ourselves and others. This is not an us or them deal. God blesses us richly. Why? So that we can then in turn share those blessings with others. As God's people, as the body of Christ, we are not operating out of a scarcity mindset. Our starting place is a spirit of God-filled abundance. We are filled, people. We are filled with a bounty of God's love, God's grace, God's compassion, his care, his healing, his peace, and his wholeness. We have received all of that by way of Jesus Christ. And all he is, he, he is asking us to do is to generously share with our neighbors in this room and throughout our city and even into our world, share the love of Jesus Christ every person who we meet. May that be us. Each and every one of us, spirit of God-filled good Samaritans, may we say yes to that. May we say yes to Jesus. May we say yes to being his hands and feet of Christ to those who are in need. Amen. And Becca, I'm going to ask you to help me walk down the steps because I'm afraid that I won't make it.